Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. So, uh, I'm going to let you kind of know what's going on in here, and then we're going to dismiss the children. So, last week, Bishop came and talked to us about soul winning. How many of you enjoyed that so much, right? But Papa Staten, Bishop's dad, used to tell us, you got to put some feet, you got to put some legs on them prayers. And so tonight, we're going to do a practical demonstration of a one-hour Bible study entitled, Into His Marvelous Light. And so I'm going to teach that Bible study to brother and sister Phillips here in just a few minutes. All right. Okay, everybody. What a great crowd. Um, You probably can, I don't know how much you can see. You might be able to see better from over here. Um, Move around, whatever you can be comfortable. Brother Brad's going to put some up there, and then the information will be on this screen as well. Okay? James, hi Naomi. How you guys doing? Good. Great. Okay. It's going to be a little awkward using the microphone. Okay. Um, so I've asked you guys um, to help me. Uh, I want to be able to share with you um, this little this little Bible study. It's called "Into His Marvelous Light." Okay. And uh, so. When we start talking about the Word of God, it's imperative that we understand that it, our, our world just is at a deficit. They don't understand much about what God has to say uh, for matters of salvation and truth. And so we're going to kind of look into this. You guys got a copy? Have you got something to write with? Okay. All right. Right here inside Thank the cover. Thank you, wife. <laughs> right here inside the cover um, is Psalms 119 and verse 130 and it says the entrance of thy words giveth light it giveth understanding unto the simple and so we need light in our lives and we're going to see here in just a minute that the bible tells us that the word of god is light and it gives understanding to the simple and i think that's just talking about me because i'm i'm pretty simple sometimes and i I need that and so for our audience tonight this is a little bit different the Bible study, there's a page here that talks about preparation. It says the Bible study was prepared to explain the plan of salvation in a simple one-lesson condensed form with a teacher to guide discussion. 
So in case, whether you're 14 or 44, the object is to guide the discussion. So you want to create discussion. Or by self-study. So you could mail this to someone and they could go through it and fill in the blanks and, 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 and just read it, okay? Much more effective if it's a guided discussion, all right? It can be divided into two parts by taking a short break between each of, 30, of two 30-minute sessions. Um, a recommended place for a break is after the section into the Gospels. You'll see that as we get there. So each participating student should have a copy of the study along with a Bible, preferably a King James Bible. Do you both have a Bible tonight? I, I brought my Bible. Because I didn't. I'm good. That's okay. Do you, have, do you have another means? Um, what would be another means? Do you have an electronic Bible? I do. I do. I forgot about that. Okay. Now, we staged that for you. You can see the complete look of utter surprise on Brother James' face, right? Um, you know Brother Roberts would prefer that everybody carry a five-pound Bible in a 20-gallon wagon, but it's not going to happen in our society, okay? So understand, the, the world that we live in, most people have a, a phone, and so you could download a Bible app in a matter of moments, and that way, you can, it's going to be easier for someone who's not familiar with Scripture to find the Scripture. You can help them, show them. Um, you're obviously going to need to do that if they have, uh, you know, they have the family Bible sitting on the kitchen table. You're going to need to help them uh, know where to find it. So that's part of your job is of, of guiding the discussion. They recommend a King James Bible, and everybody needs something to write with, okay? And um, so... As scripture is read, the student is asked to become involved, sometimes by completing a fill-in-the-blank or responding to a question and additional comments in supplementary, supplementary scripture references. They're designated throughout the text by the small numerals and parentheses. So um, we can look in, into all that. So they suggest in here that all participants take a moment to ask the Lord's help in understanding the word. King David once uh, prayed, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold thy wondrous things of law, out of thy law. Okay? So obviously you want to ask God to bless your time of study. Right? So that's not just about praying for the Bible study. How many of you know that some, uh, the people that you may be teaching this to may not be familiar with how to pray? Okay? And so you're, you're, setting, you're setting the tone. You're creating the atmosphere. That's your responsibility, whether you're at Starbucks or in your living room. Your job is, you know, in Starbucks, you're going to have all these distractions and all this stuff, and it's going to, you're going to have to keep their attention and their focus on this in order to be effective. So let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for this time to be able to study your word. God, I ask you to bless James and Naomi and my friends tonight, Lord. I ask you as we study your word that you would open our eyes and our understanding. Give us revelation of the things that are hidden in your word. God, bless our hearts and our time together in Jesus' name. Jesus name. So a real simple prayer, nothing, you know, deep, no earth-shattering. I didn't shake anybody's forehead. I didn't spit on anybody. I didn't do any of the normal Pentecostal things, right? Okay? Uh, you can read through this introduction. You can skip that introduction. Be sensitive to who you're teaching it to, to their knowledge. You know, ask them some questions. You know, what do you know about the Bible? What's your background? Hopefully you, you know, you, you could teach this to a total stranger and not know any of that, but it would probably be better if you knew a little something about them, okay? Um, so let's flip over to page number four, all right? There's a little introduction here, all right? 
So it's, it's just a little story, a little analogy. When, oh. Is that Rude. your phone? I'm sorry, that was not planned at all. That was an accident. I think it was totally planned. But would you mind putting that on mute for me? Yes, I will. I'm I would sorry. appreciate that. I'm so embarrassed. That. This is embarrassing. Okay. And it, I, so how would you handle that, all right, if the phone rings, all right? Oh, go ahead and get that, but you know, can you put that on mute so we're not disturbed again? Um, years ago, we used we didn't have uh, the ability to do this, and so we'd teach Bible studies, and we taught people this trick. I would sit in someone's living room, and I've done this, I've actually done this, and they had the TV going in the background, and the TV was making noise, and I would start, and they would say, what? what? I can't hear you. And I'm, I'm sorry, can you turn that down? And nine out of 10 times, they would just turn the thing off. But I didn't have to ask them to please turn it down. I just made it so, I just talked so low that they couldn't hear me. And they would ask me, okay. Now, if you're going to go into somebody's home, let me give you just a little bit. You're, you're, I, I talked about setting that setting. If you go into someone's home and they, what do, what do people do when you come to the home? Can I get you something? Can I, even if you're not hungry or thirsty, okay, probably really tough to teach a Bible study while you're eating pie. It's probably going to get messy, but at least accept a water because when you accept, if I go to James and Naomi's house and they say, can I get you something? You know, um, yeah, I'd like a glass of water, a bottle of water. Okay, whatever, something simple that puts whoever you're teaching at ease. Okay. Uh, maybe it's somebody, you know, really well, you don't need to do that, but maybe it's someone that you, you just know as an acquaintance. And so you're breaking that ice. When, if Naomi handed me a, a bottle of water in her house, and I know because she's done this, I can tell you she will relax. Okay? And, and so will you in your home. And so when you're doing that, so that's just, so Brother Robert, so you, what are you taking time to do this for? So I'm trying to help you to be effective, right? Because we don't, our goal isn't just to teach 100 Bible studies. Our goal is to see 100 souls saved. What would we do in the middle of COVID to get a 100-soul revival? Come on. Come on. I, I think we just shout and, 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 and praise the Lord, right? Okay? So let's get into the Bible study. So when you're walking uh, out of a dark room into the sunshine, the light can be blinding. And your eyes, our eyes become accustomed to the light. We can see more clearly and enjoy the scenery that surrounds us. And so likewise, when we look into the light of the Scripture, the brightness of truth can sometimes hurt. However... Uh, as our spiritual eyesight becomes adjusted, we can enjoy walking in the light. It's the same way when you walk uh, out of, a, uh, uh, out of the, uh, the building into the light. You know, it, 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 does, it, it affects your eyes, right? Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Did you know that Jesus is the light of the world? Okay. So this Bible study is designed to allow us to walk in the marvelous light of God's word. So we're going to be journeying into scriptures by imagining we're back in the days of Jesus and the apostles. Now, James, do you have a good imagination? No. Little. I would bet you have a great imagination. So I'm going to need you to help me use your imagination that we're back in the days of Jesus and the apostles, okay? Now, I, I will help by not, not talking in Greek, which is what they talked in Jesus' day. We'll use English, okay? All right? So we're going to listen to them teach and preach the plan of salvation. In order to do this, we will, we will need to carefully and rightly divide the word. Uh, so the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 says that we should study 
to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. That's a great scripture that we all need to understand, right? Why would someone be ashamed, Brother James? Why, what, where would shame come from? Well, well, let, let me did, help you. Did it that would, start in uh, the Garden of Eden? It, it did. But so when the Apostle Paul is talking to Peter and he says that we need to study the Word of God and rightly divide it so that, so that we're not ashamed. I, I think for me, thinking of shame, someone could be at judgment and be ashamed that they didn't rightly understand or correctly understand the Word of God. Wouldn't that be a terrible thing? That would be terrible to me, and I, I don't want to do that, right? You know, the Bible says there's two different scriptures. One that says that Judas went out and hung himself. Right. And there's another one that says, go thou and do likewise. Well, those obviously aren't two scriptures right. that need to come together, right? That would be disastrous, and that's not, that's not rightly dividing the word. And that's why we're studying the word and why we're using something as simple as this little Bible study to help guide our walk on this journey, okay? So first we're going to look at the, we're going to highlight three main divisions of the New Testament, okay? And so those are, they're broken up into three sections. Those are the Gospels. You know what the Gospels are? They're the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, the Gospels, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty simple. They cover the birth, the life, the ministry, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then there's another book in the, in the New Testament that's central to the New Testament. It's called the Acts, or the book of Acts, or the Actions of the Apostles. Now, a lot of people say that this is a book of history, and it is. But it's the history of the birth of the New Testament church. And we're going to see that a lot of the churches that are found in the New Testament were birthed right here in the book of Acts. And so that brings us to our third delineation, our third segment of the New Testament. It's called the epistles. And these are letters that are written by the apostles to the churches that they started that we talked about here in the book of Acts, okay? And so uh, let's look at a couple of scriptures. Let's turn first here to 2 Peter, all right? One of you want to turn there for me and read that? We're going to read 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Now, while they're turning there, I'm taking some time, and I would, I would stretch it. Brother Roberts would stretch a one-hour Bible study into 17 days, but that's probably not effective, okay? But the truth is, if you don't get this first part, okay, if you don't get this first part where you establish with them that the Word of God is the sole source of truth, anything else that you do is really going to be pointless. If they get to the end of the Bible study and they're still opinionated, well, I feel and I think, and you don't hit that first point, then it, it, it's really not going to matter, okay? So we've got to make sure we do that. Naomi, do you have that? It's Second Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Can you read that for us? I sure can. Um, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Do you have any notation in the side of your Bible there where it says holy men spake? Is there anything there? My Bible has a little notation that says inspiration. See, I like this scripture because it tells me two things. It tells me, one, that there's no, there's no personal or private interpretation of the Bible. What does that mean? I, I, 
it means this, James, that I talk to a lot of people and they tell me that they think or they feel, but according to the Bible, there's not a, there's not a private interpretation. That means that you're not going to read something different or get something different out of Scripture than I'm going to get. But according to this, the holy men of old, they wrote the Bible. They, they spake. The, my, in the margin here in my King James Bible, it says they were, they were inspired or they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That means they wrote down what God told them to write down. And so it's important that we understand that we all can look at the Scripture and come to the same conclusion. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. All right. Okay. So we're going to skip. Deuteronomy 4 and 2 and, and Proverbs 35 and 6. But again, those are scriptures that talk about you can't add anything or subtract anything to the Word of God. And so, again, be sensitive to who you're teaching this to and get them. There's, there's so much power in the spoken Word of God. When you ask someone to read, always get them to read it out loud. Even if you're in Starbucks, okay? Can you read that? Did you read that? Yeah, I read that. But if they, there's, there's such an anointing on the spoken word of God, whether you speak it or they speak it, no matter if it's, when it becomes audible, there's a power in the word of God. And so make sure that you either read it out loud or ask them and see how comfortable they are. So if they're going to be uncomfortable reading in Starbucks, you may want to find a different venue, someplace where they're comfortable reading and not everybody's comfortable and they don't read very well. People are different, you know. I have a hard time as I get older reading this small text. And so I'm telling you, anybody can teach this study. You simply have to read what's here, okay? All right? Um, and so uh, understand that. All right? So let's, let's move down here to the bottom of the page, and let us be, we're going to read 2 Timothy chapter 3. Brother James, can you get that for us? Sure can. We're going to read verses 15 and 16. Okay, it's all the way in the back, all right? It's toward the back. It's, all right, it's, it's, it's going to be toward, so we'll start from the back and work your way that way. There's probably a, an index right up front right here. Okay, go ahead, Brother James, as soon as you get that. We're going to read verses 15 and 16 of chapter 3. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus or Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for, re for correction, for instruction in righteousness. There's a lot of stuff going on there. This is the Apostle Paul writing to young man Timothy. He says a couple of things there. He talks about reproof. Do you know what reproof is? Now, you better know what this means. You can write it down in your little outline because if somebody goes, what's the difference between repro reproof and correction? It's not real. You can Google it, okay? But re reproof um, is an expression of, of blame or, or disapproval, right? But correction is more of an action word. It refers to the action or the process of correcting something. And so the scripture is profitable for doctrine. So I would explain that to somebody. Doctrine is teaching. The, the, the scripture profits us so that, because, it, you know, I, I don't know everything, you don't know everything, but the Bible's teaching me what I should know. And it's giving me reproof. The Bible's going to express blame or disapproval. What? Listen, our world doesn't believe that. Our world doesn't believe that the Bible can express, can, can express to you disapproval, right? 
And, and so they're almost shocked when, because now you know, the most famous scripture in, in today's society is, judge me not. But that word of God, and we're going to see this in the lesson, the word of God teaches us that the, that the word is our judge. And so, I, you know, be sensitive to that person. Set that in motion, right? Talk about correction. Talk about, right, all, all of those kinds of things, okay? So let's go to page six, and let's get into the Gospels, all right? Turn with me to the book of John chapter 1. And I'm going to read some of this and let you guys kind of follow along here and fill in some blanks. How about that? Sounds great. <laughs> what an enthusiastic audience. All right. Let's start here in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. All right? And down to verse 14 tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Do you have any idea who that's talking about? James, do you know? Jesus. Oh, that's right, James. Absolutely. Right? Because he's the one. He's the one, right? Three points, Brother James. Okay? But uh, he's the one who became flesh, right? And so the word, okay, that's your first blank right there. The word, which was in the beginning and was God, it became flesh. Jesus is the living word of God. All right? Now, I'm going to start reading here in verse uh, uh, 11. Here's what it says. I'm going to slide back up here and read these couple of verses. He, speaking of that word that became flesh, Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, or the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, how about that, James? Isn't that awesome? He's going to give them power to become the sons of God. Have you ever thought of yourself as a son of God? I'm a daughter of God. That's absolutely right. This is, this is not gender specific when the Bible talks about humanity. That's, that's, you're absolutely right, Naomi. That's great. You're so, that's your second blank there. He's given us power to become the sons of God. Okay. Now, flip over one chapter there, or one, I don't know what you're scrolling over there, Brother James, to chapter 3, and we're going to read a story about a, about, about a man by the name of Nicodemus, okay? I'm going to start reading here in John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. Now, I'm going to stop here. You guys can do what you want to. If I'm expecting them to fill in the blanks, I'm going to read this portion, okay? That's how I would do it. Now, you can do it any way you want to do it. You can read it, stop and discuss it, okay? But remember, it's an hour Bible study, and after an hour, you're not going to have anybody's attention, all right? So I would personally, if I'm teaching this to my good friend or someone I just met, I'm going to read this portion because this is the fill-in-the-blank portion. When we get into the other portions, 
there's no fill in the blank. There's just a check, yes or no, kind of thing like that. That's a little bit simpler. But if I want them to, to focus, I want them to follow along and read with me and suggest that they do that. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to help them. Because if I want them to read it and then go back and fill in the blank, all right, you, can you see how that might engender some confusion? Okay? All right. So there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Somebody might ask you, what's a Pharisee? I was just going to ask you that. A Pharisee? A Pharisee was a Hebrew religious person. Okay? Now, can I explain Pharisee deeper than that? Probably. But is that adequate? Okay? Does that make sense? He was a teacher. He was a ruler. He was a Hebrew religious person. Okay? And so he came to Jesus, all right? The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, uh oh, here we go. What's a rabbi? Okay? Same thing as a Pharisee or teacher. Yeah, absolutely, he's a teacher, but not necessarily the same thing as a Pharisee, I hope, okay? But he's the guy you see on TV with a little hat and a funny little... Okay. Right. Like on the Fiddler on the okay. Roof. All right. Love and, that movie. And this rabbi, and this rabbi said, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered Nicodemus and said unto him, Verily, verily, uh-oh, verily, verily, what are you going to do? You're using the King James Version. What does that mean? Anybody know? It means surely, surely. It's just drawing your attention. It's, it's all it is. It's not, it's not magical, mythical. It's not King James Version. It's just, he's just drawing attention. But you need to know something like this so you can explain it. Or if you don't know, the, the correct answer is, I don't know but let me call somebody and find out. You don't have to do it right then, but I'll let you know and say, well, you know, okay. Stop right now, pick up your phone, call Brother Roberts. Like, I'm busy, you know, okay. So we're not, we're, all right. But if you need to call me and ask me questions about this, please do so, okay. All right. So verily, verily, I say unto thee, he's talking to Nicodemus, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the spirit. Now, this is King James Version. So, again, I know we're in a modern day, and everybody likes different translations, and they're probably fine. But if you're going to use one, you better make sure that the wording is right to follow the Bible study, okay? I know people are like, you know, the bloweth and listeth and can't not tell. Okay, I, I get it. But most people are smart enough to really understand a few King James uh, versions, okay? And so now you go back and tell them, right? So the Lord told Nicodemus that everyone that wanted to see or enter the kingdom of God must be born again of what? A water, what? Water? water and spirit. And that's great. That's absolutely right. That's your blank right there. Okay? Teachers. Let me, let, me, uh, <laughs> let me go down to verse 16. This might be fun over the next three months with these two as team leaders. Okay, verse 16. Here's the most famous scripture in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want everlasting life. For God sent, his son not, uh, sent, sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he, he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil." Remember, we set that foundation with light. Now we're back talking to light. And if they're listening and paying attention and not just watching you, they're realizing men love darkness rather than light. And why? Because their deeds were evil. So without saying this, we're talking about sin. We're talking about this need for repentance, okay? All right? And for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. They're done in God. Okay? So what, what is Jesus telling Nicodemus here, James? Do you know what he's saying? That he needs to believe. That's first right. Of all. That's exactly right, Brother James. That's really good. Right? Jesus told Nicodemus, whosoever believes in him is going to have eternal life. And so it really starts with a great foundation of believing. Okay? Now, I'm going to flip over just a couple of chapters. You can follow along with me to John chapter 12. Yes, sir. I forgot my question. Don't, don't digress. We only have an hour here. Only an hour. I've been found out. Chapter 17? 7. Chapter 12. 12. That's the, the two after the one. Thank you, Brother Robert. All right. Okay, I'm going to start reading here. I'm going to read verses 35 and 36, and then we'll skip down to verses 42 and 43. Now, some of you, anybody ever seen the Bible study series where Brother Cornwell teaches um, exploring God's Word? Okay, the videos. Isn't that right? He teaches exploring God's Word. Um, he, what he does when he, when he teaches someone a Bible study, and it may not be so practical for a one-hour Bible study, but one of the things that he does that I think is really unique is he will always make sure that the people have a brand new Bible. They either bring a Bible or they have a Bible, and I've seen him on his videos provide them with a highlighter, and they begin to highlight the verses as they read it, okay? Now, okay, not everybody likes to mark up their Bible. I, I don't mind writing a note in mine or highlighting and moving something around, and, and a lot of people don't, but, but understand, that what, what is that doing? That's, that's putting... That's putting a connection to the word. When you begin to read the word and begin to put that, now you're, that, that, when you just that act of highlighting makes that verse my verse. Does that make sense? I'm reading it. I got some ownership. I got some connection with it. And so er, he'll, he'll start in Genesis and they're, they're highlighting through as they read. And he's going through and he's, he's just going through. And I believe it's a real effective tool. It may not be practical, again, for a one hour Bible study, but I believe it's very practical for a longer extended period. And so as we teach these Bible studies, we need to be prepared. Once we get into this point now, there has to be some training and some education and some learning. And that's our job, right? We don't, we don't birth babies and drop them the, on the doorstep and say, all right, have a great life, right? We're, we got to work, we got to work, okay? All right, so we're in John chapter 12, verse 35 and 36. And Jesus said unto them, yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. It's pretty simple, right? Who person walking in the darkness doesn't know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may be 
children of light. Okay? These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. Now, I'm going to slip down to verse 42. Now, what would you say if someone asked you, why are you skipping verses? What, what, what's the purpose? I, I would explain to them, listen, this, is, this Bible study is just a tool to help us get to, it's like a map. We're trying to go somewhere specific. And someone would ask me, well, I've had the question asked to me, hey, 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 Jeff, how come all these verses are numbered and chapters and numbers? And I, I would tell them, you know the answer to this. It wasn't written this way. It was written in paragraph form. But one of the cool things that happened as they began to transcribe the word from Hebrew and Greek into English, the writers broke it down so that we could find specific places in a paragraph. And so that's sometimes when you look at it, the thought goes from one chapter to another, even though the chapter changes. So you have to be aware of that just because the chapter, now I wouldn't use that in this Bible study unless someone asks me. But if I'm teaching the, the 12-week Bible study, I'm definitely going to get that information so they understand why the Bible is broken down in the format in which it is. Okay, so nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Naomi, do you have an idea what Jesus is asking here? What, what do we need to do? That's exactly right. right? So a lot of people believe in Jesus, but right. they're, they're ashamed right. to confess him. Okay? Now, if, if I saw that, I felt something in the Spirit, right? there's a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of Scripture about if you don't confess me, I won't confess you to the Father, right? We understand that, right? We understand that confession to salvation is made with, with the mouth. And so you need to have just a little bit of Bible knowledge. You don't have to have a lot, but you, if a question is asked of you, right? You know, be able to just talk to that, that point. We've talked about the Word. We've talked about believing. We've talked about water and spirit. We've talked about, you know, again, the, the, the Spirit of God and believing. And now we're into confessing. And now we're going to go to our last portion of Scripture in this section or, or in this, this part right here, verse 44 and 40 through 48. And Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, or he that believeth, believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. See again their connection, the light and the darkness. We started with light, okay? And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Amen. So, James, what is Jesus saying is going to judge us in the last day? His word. That's right. Absolutely correct, right? All right? And so we got to be careful not to reject the word because it, it's going to be the very thing that judges us. All right? Brother James is doing a great job He's with the, awesome. right? He's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I don't have to do marriage counseling when we're done here tonight. Okay, John chapter 17, all right? And all of us, most of us know this, right? And I'm just kind of going to hurry through this, just going to move a little bit faster here, all right? Um, I'm going to read the scripture, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Thou hast sent me 
into the world, even so I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they might also be sanctified through thy truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Okay? And so Jesus' prayer for the disciples just before his crucifixion, he said, God's word is, it's truth, right? And he also prayed for us. Now, I would definitely stop right here. I would make this a transition point in the Bible study. Do you know that Jesus prayed for you? How cool is that, Brother James? Give them your dumb look as free. Really, honestly, yeah. Right? Jesus prayed for you. He's missed his calling. He should have been an actor. Okay? But, I mean, honestly, make, make that a point, right? Jesus, do you know that Jesus prayed for you? So a lot of people know that. But you might be teaching someone in our society today who's never opened a Bible, who knows nothing about the Word of God, and what, what a, an impact it can have when you speak a word of faith and say to them, do you know that Jesus prayed for you? Because it says right here, not only for them also, but for everyone who's going to believe the, believe the Word of God through them, right? Okay? All right? And so this t- brings us to the conclusion of this one uh, in Luke chapter 24. Um, verses 45 to 49. And it's right here in your setting. So James, I want you to read that for us, would you? It's, it's right here. That way you don't have to look it up. Thank you. <laughs> He's still looking it up. He's still looking, He's still looking it up. <laughs> Give me happy a second, life, I'll get there. Wife. Forty-five. I found it. All right, just read it. Yes, okay. sir. <clears throat> Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, thus it is writ- written and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. All right. Now, what's an important part of this scripture is putting it in context. You know, and I know that Luke chapter 24 is, right, it's, it's after the resurrection, right? He's given direction after the resurrection, and it tells you there. And so, this would be a time where you might want to talk about what happened at Calvary, okay? Are you aware, okay? Most people have uh, some general knowledge, but talk about what happened and, and, and make sure that you tell them the setting here. So we've looked in the, in the book of John about the, uh, the gospel message in the book of John, and now here we are at the end of this because I told you that the gospels are about the, the, the birth, the life, the ministry, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this setting, all of that is encompassed. So this is Jesus' ministry. Now this scripture is in the setting where he's talking about it, and this is the message that he is going to tell them. So now there are some questions here, right? So Naomi, let me ask you a question. Did the apostles preach the message that Jesus commanded them to proclaim? Yes, they did. Okay, how would you know that? How would I know that? We haven't gotten there yet, right? So here's a question, and they got these fill-in-the-blanks, right? How, James, how was the promise of the Father fulfilled? Now remember, you've never heard this Bible study before. 
But the text we just went over, we've got to believe, right? That's right. Okay. But we're going to see that believing is not nearly enough. Okay. So again, here we are. We're transitioning here. You're going to move to the second section. So let's continue on our journey in the word of God and see what was preached and what happened. Now, so you got to set that up for Luke chapter 24. This is what Jesus' last message to his disciples were before the resurrection, right? That he's going to preach repentance, remission of sins in his name. Now, if I was teaching this, I'd keep my finger there because you're going to want to flip back to this. All right? Okay. So, page 8, Acts chapter 1. James, can you find the book of Acts? Naomi, let's turn to the book of Acts. Let's do that. Chapter 1. James, can I get you to read verses 3 through 5? Yes. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion and many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Okay, so you're reading this to someone who's never read that before. What do you think they take from that when they read, when, when they read that or you read that to them? Nothing. So again, this is a guided discussion. You need to guide the discussion. You need to explain. Okay, remember, I set this up when I set, talked about the book of Acts the book of history where the church was born. So we're transitioning from Calvary. We're transitioning from Jesus' last message to the book of Acts. So you'd want to explain this to them. Some people may have a great idea. Some people may have no idea. Again, you're going to have to be sensitive to that and understand that. You're going to have to work with that. And so, you know, I know that James and Naomi know this, right? And so we're moving along here. I'm trying for the sake of time. All right. And so the, you know, we discover immediately that the promise of just as soon as we get in the book of Acts and right here in the first few verses, one of the things that we discover is that, you know, that the Holy Ghost is the promise, right? Is the, the, the promise, I'm sorry, I'm trying to read this and talk at the same time. We discover almost immediately that the promise of the Father is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, okay? So, Right? Um, how, many, how many people do you know that work next to you in a cubicle that you're going to teach this Bible study to that know what Pentecost is? Okay? Probably not a great number of people. They've heard of it. They've heard of Pentecostals. They have no idea. And so, you know, you're going to start here in Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and a lot of people are going to be like, all right, great, man, that's a good job. But you're going to have that three out of 100. You're going to go, what is Pentecost? Well, easy. Israel, the nation of Israel, celebrated feasts and festivals. And so some of their great celebrations, you know, obviously the first one we talked about happened at the death of Jesus was the Passover. But Pente means 50, and it's 50 days after the Passover, they celebrated the Feast of the Harvest called Pentecost. Okay? And so it just coincides with this day. I wouldn't go into any more detail than that and start in Acts chapter 2. Okay? And so you would read down through... Um, Acts chapter, uh, chapter 2, the first 17 verses, and for the sake of time tonight, I'm, I'm not going to read that, okay? You can read that for you, and you don't have to, you don't have to um, be a rocket scientist. Brooke said, thank you, Jesus, right? Okay? All right? Uh, so when the apostles were at Jerusalem, they, along with many others, 
were joyously filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other, okay? You know that. We know that. And so you're going to have to help somebody understand that. Oh, my goodness. James, what is tongues? It's that little red devil. Yeah. Thank you. I will never be the same. Okay. Okay. So now you're, as you're reading this through, you're going to tie this to Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 39. This is, what, this is the meat and potatoes, right? This is where we live. This is our Acts in 238, right? All right. You, you, know, you know what the Bible says here. You understand that. And so if you're not excited about this, guess what? Okay. They're not excited. Uh, you know, I have a co-worker I work with, and every once in a while the, the topic turns to the Bible, and he says, man, there's just something different about you when you start talking about the Bible. Why? Why? I, you know, why? I, I get excited about the Bible, right? Okay? And you need to be excited about this. If you're not excited, they won't be excited. I, I guarantee you when Bishop sits down with his Bible study chart, you know he owns the room. He's excited. He's you know, he's in his element, right? And you can learn to do that. You can be very good at that, right? And so you're going to read that, right? You know, they, you know, Peter's great message on the day of Pentecost, right? And so we're looking for those three things that, we, that were brought over on the last page in the previous slide where Jesus told him to preach repentance, remission of sins in his name, right? And the promise of my father. And so we're seeing this. You're explaining this. They were tearing. So this is this is a straight to the point biblical Bible study. It's covering repentance, remission of sins through baptism in Jesus' name, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now on the side, there's this little notice part here on slide number eight. Right, Acts two thirty eight is the fulfillment of the new birth requirements that we read about back in John chapter three verse five that were necessary to enter the kingdom of God. The, the birth of the water is baptism, water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, right? Spirit birth is that infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's the promise that we read about at the beginning of this chapter, okay? So we're going we're gonna to relate that. We're going to correlate that to, to what's going on. So now I would read this bottom part. Now let's look at the, some other examples, right, in the, in the book of Acts, in the history. And then we would go over here to Acts chapter 8, all right? And, and we would read about Philip, okay? And so let's go over to chapter 8. Let's, we're gonna, we, take, we got enough time. We can read through a few of these, okay? You're, you're setting this up. You're working toward all of, all of this with an end goal, all right? Naomi, can you read verses 5 through 8? Yeah. Uh, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Four unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. Okay, read verse 8. Oh, sorry. That's okay. And there was great joy in that city. Okay. All right. Did they have great joy? Yes. All right. See? Yes. Thank you, James. Great job. Hey, James, can you read verse 12? Yes. Thank you, James. You're welcome. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, 
and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Wow. All right. Did they believe in yes. Jesus? Yes, they did. Were yes. they baptized? Yes. That's great, right? So here's what we're looking for right here. So verses 14 and 17, okay? Now, why, what's, the, what's the correlation here, right? Because you, you know this. They, you, you've read this before, right? When they, they, they get the apostles, they, together they come down and they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Why? Because verse 16 says, for as of yet none of them had received the gift of the Holy Ghost, right? They hadn't fallen on none of them. And then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Oh, what do you mean they laid their hands on them? Okay, again. Well, that, that's a biblical principle. Principle. One of the great, one of the major doctrines of, this, of Scripture is the laying on of hands. They laid their hands on them, right? So what, what does that do? Is it magic? Wait a minute. They've been watching Harry Potter. Right. No. Okay? They've been watching all this junk on Netflix. They, they, don't, they don't know. You may have to explain that, and you can explain that. We understand, right, that laying on of hands is a biblical. It, it, there's no magic in the hands. It's not a transfer, right? It's a focus of faith, right? We lay hands on people. It focuses faith, right? It's, it's more than that. It's deeper than that. But there, there, there's, there's a transference in the spirit realm, right? There's a connection, all right? And, and there's, we've got Bible studies on the laying on of hands. What are you going to tell somebody? Uh, it was just something they did. Okay? It, it's deeper than that. It's more important than that. But I, I wouldn't stop and talk about it in a one-hour Bible study. But what if the question comes up? Well, I don't, I don't know. But it's generally what, it's, it's simple as this. Laying on of hands is how people receive the Holy Ghost. We see this as what happened in the book of Acts. They prayed for them, laid their hands on them, the people that had the Holy Ghost, and other people began to receive it. Okay? Now, you know, we, understand, we understand the process, but we don't want to induce confusion as well. All right? Okay? Then over to Acts chapter 10, Cornelius. All right? You go back and read through that. Was Cornelius a religious man? He was a devout man. He was a believer, right? Did God have more for him, right? He asked him to send, verses 5 and 6, send for Peter, right? He wanted him to do something, right? Now, you're going to tell them what's going on in verses 44 and 46. Peter's preaching, okay? All right? And, and this, is, this is a tremendous word here. He's preaching, and the Holy Ghost fell while he was preaching, okay? And people, are, you're, you're talking about the Holy Ghost, right? And what happened? Did, did they still have to get baptized? Yeah, because what? Peter, in his message, asked that question. Can we, any man forbid these water, right? And he baptized them in the name of the Lord, all right? So, uh, again, the correlation. Where, where does the Holy Ghost come from? We read the scripture in John that the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of God is like the wind. You can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going, right? It, it blows where it wants to. It's, it's the presence of God. It, it's the Spirit of God. And so those questions might come up, all right? And it fell on them the same way it did in the upper room. That Spirit baptized them, right? And sometimes it happens with the laying on the hands. Sometimes it happens. The Spirit just moves, okay? Uh, you know, I would tell the story, hey, we had a lady in our church, you know, 30 years ago, who had a hard time. She, she was really having a struggle receiving the Holy Ghost. She, was, she just put some praise music on one day, started vacuuming her house, and she got the Holy Ghost while vacuuming her house. True story, okay? Amen. I, I know a guy who was driving a pickup truck and praying and pulled over the side of the road and started speaking in tongues for the first time, okay? So, it, you know, God, God is not limited to a building right. or an altar, right. all right? Those, those are true things, okay? So Acts chapter 19, all right? How many of you know what happened in Acts chapter 19? 
All right, good, right? Okay. Peter, uh, Paul has an encounter with the disciples of John. And this is an important, this is important, right? Because a lot of people have been baptized in error. So we're going to take the time tonight just to, to read through that. So Naomi, can you start reading in, in Acts chapter 19? Let's, yeah, start reading there in verse 1 and 2. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, excuse me, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since he believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Now, I would explain right here that these are disciples of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist preached faith and repentance and baptism, okay? All right, now this might engender some questions and it might not, depends on who you're speaking to, what their experience is, okay? And it's like, well, they've already been baptized, right? And so the whole point of this is about people who have been baptized in error getting rebaptized. all right? Now, I'm gonna tell you folks, 30 years ago, this was a fight every time. Religious folks fought, 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 fought about this. Now, it just seems like anybody wants to fight about it because the Word of God, there's been revelation and people understand, right? It's more prominent now than it was, I promise you, 30 years ago. I doubt you're going to have a lot of fight. You may. And so, just use the Scripture. Let's go ahead and start reading there. It says, read verses 3 through 5. Okay. And he said unto them, unto what were ye baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Uh, then said Paul, John... Verily baptized with, oh, sorry. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. Okay. So Paul, you know the story. Paul's here, and he's, he's talking to them, and he said, John baptized with, with, for repentance, right? And that, that was his baptism. That was, that was it. And, and, you know, there's some confusion there. And so they needed to get rebaptized. And so the questions are here. And they're just yes or no. They were believers. And they, they heard, but they, had they heard of or received the Holy Ghost yet? What's the answer there? No. No, right? Did, they, did those baptized by John, the baptism have to be rebaptized in Jesus' name? Yes. Yes, yes. absolutely, right? Now verse 6 talks about the Holy Ghost. Paul prays for them because they'd never even heard of the Holy Ghost. Why? And so how would you explain that? I would explain it very simply. The, the power of salvation, right, was not available in John's day, okay? He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And so he was bringing awareness to Jesus Christ, and that was a great first step. But now, according to the Bible, these men had to be rebaptized in the correct biblical formula of Jesus' name, which has authority. Now, if I was talking to someone with a religious background, I would talk about the titles, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and the authority of the name of Jesus. And I would be prepared to share some scripture. There's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved, Acts 4 and 12, right? Over and over, the Bible says, whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every example that we see in the book of Acts, right? What happened there, okay? What happened they, they baptized in the name of the Lord or in the name of the Lord Jesus because there's authority, you know? Uh, I, would, I would talk about the, we use the check analogy. Nobody writes checks anymore, okay? But James here, if I wrote you a check for $1,000 and I signed it Father and you wrote me a check for $10 and you signed it James Phillips, would you exchange checks? No. Okay, why? Because there's no authority. He, can't, he can try to cash my check. Right. 
But he can't because there's no authority there. And I would, I would go down that path. And so the one-hour Bible study may not last an hour if you've got someone who's got an experience with God and they're moving further. But that power, we know there's power in the name of Jesus. This may not be an argument point, but it may be. So what are you saying, brother? I'm saying prepare yourself. Be prepared to answer the question, right? What the Bible tells us, be ready to give an answer. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to win the fight. All you have to be able to do is share a few words. Let me tell you what, what you can do. You can go through this, ask yourself what question might be answered, what might be needed, and write some scriptures about baptism or faith or whatever you want. Write them on a sticky note and put them in the back of your Bible. Well, hang on a second. Oh, okay. Right? How many of you know what the Roman road is? No one under the age 40 lives, right? The Roman road, there's, there's Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23 talk about repentance and remission. Those are, those are good scriptures to use to talk about. You know, those, we used to all quote those all the time. Everybody had them underlined in their Bible. And, and we, would, we would write, you know, we would take back in the day when everybody carried a real Bible. Okay? I know I'm old. I know I'm talking about it. Tell them, Brother Jones, you carried a real Bible. And you'd have one scripture. And you'd, you'd write the next scripture next to that scripture. And you could just flip through your Bible. And nobody could see what was written in your Bible. You were, you were following the Roman road. You could follow. I could teach this entire Bible study without using this. I could write it in my Bible and go from verse to verse to verse to verse to verse. And no one would be the wiser. Why? You could just write it in, in the margin. It's real simple. Listen, he said be be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So we got to use, use some, some wisdom. Okay, the last section here really brings this all together. It's the epistles, okay? And so you're, you're bringing this all together. So um, you're, you're talking about how the, you found that the apostles preached and followed the, the salvation message. I would read what's in that notice block right there. You know, uh, talk again about the life, the burial, the, de the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Repentance toward God, belief in Jesus. Being, you know, we've established that you've got to confess Him. Okay, and so these next scriptures talks about what Peter says in First Peter. Peter talks the word. The word says you have, you've purified your souls by obeying the truth. This is real simple. You open it up, you read it, and you put it in your own words. Hey, our souls get purified when we obey the word. Now, we've already read the word, okay? So we've already told them right, what the word is. And so we're laying a foundation for obedience. Then uh, the next one here, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. Peter's talking about judgment. This is a pretty powerful Bible study. It's bringing judgment into the equation. Now, here's where I would again reinforce the, the, the word of God as being absolute because this one changes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17 to 2 Thessalonians. And I'm going to tell them this because you know this. Peter asked a question and over here, Paul answers the question. The word of God is so inspired that these men wrote under such great anointing that one man could ask a question in one section and another man answer it in another place. Okay? You're building faith. You're building upon the Word of God. And so what did Paul say, right? We go back to the book of Galatians, all right? And now you're, you're all the way to the end here where James is going to bring in the Scripture in James chapter 1 about not just being hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. 
Now, okay, so I've condensed that down a little bit. I think it's very important that you see how I would handle that first section, reading that to them, allowing them to read, however you want to do it, okay? We're already almost an hour. We're not quite an hour in. But remember, okay, just because it says it's an hour doesn't mean it has to be an hour, all right? If they're, in, if they're engaged, engage them. If they're not engaged, hey, maybe we should just, maybe we can stop here, fit that, that, that stopping point after the Gospels, and re-engage next week. Come back and have a, you know, another time and, and review what you said, reinforce what you said, spend some time in prayer. Listen, the Word of God, you, you wouldn't want a preacher to get up and preach without praying over the Word, would you? Same thing. If you know you're going to teach this Bible study, you need to spend some time in prayer. You need to prepare prepare the soil. You're preparing the seed and the soil. You're praying for it to be ready, right? Now you're coming to the conclusion, okay? We're on slide 13. Do you believe, this is powerful stuff, do you believe, James and Naomi, that, <clears throat> that the Word of God is true and that the Word of God will judge us? Okay? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. When you get home, please beat him for me. Okay. All right. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior? Right? Amen. You want want a response from them. You need to be prepared for this moment. You need to be ready for this because teaching the Bible study is great, but if you blow this last part off, listen, this is the point. This is the altar call of your Bible study. And, you know, when you look at them and you ask them, do you believe the Word? Do you believe Jesus is your Savior? Do you believe it's necessary to repent? right? And to turn away from sin. Do you, do you believe that water and tears start rolling down? You better be prepared, right? Okay. You're, you need to be, you need to be ready right in that moment. Do you believe that the Holy Ghost baptism is for you today? We've told them that it's for them today. You've, you've read it to them. You showed it to them and and that you're going to speak with other tongues just like they did in the Bible. And when they look at you, I'm telling you with tears rolling down their eyes, right? You better be ready, right? If you believe, come on, let's pray. I would grab their hand and I would begin to pray for them and I would invite the presence of God into Starbucks. I'm sorry, I would not because I would never teach this at Starbucks. I'm not paying $6 for a $2 cup of coffee anywhere. Okay? And I love all of you who would. Beanery? Probably the beanery. But you teach this in the beanery, there's there's no hiding what's going on. You understand what I'm saying? You might get away with it in Starbucks, but in the beanery, everybody's going to be engaged in what's going on at your table. I guarantee it. Okay? Be prepared for that. Don't be embarrassed about that. And be ready and just begin to pray for them. Reach over and lay your hand on them and invite the presence of God in. Make sure that you invite them to church. Make sure you follow up. Right? Okay? Hey, listen, you need to, they, they have no idea what Pentecost is, but this could pave a way for somebody to come in. I taught a Bible study to a man. Uh, I was on deployment in the Azores, uh, a guy by the name of Mike Malanfi. I taught him, Brother Savati, I taught him six weeks. I taught him a Bible study. And every Bible study, I talked about baptism in Jesus' name and the Holy Ghost. And uh, we had found out, well, I, I was in the Navy, he was in the Navy, and there was a group of folks there from the Air Force, and there were, as far as I knew, there was nobody who believed what I believed in that entire place. And we found out there was a little group of believers, and I took Mike with me, and we went down to this little, this little schoolhouse meeting. There was maybe a dozen people there, and there were these two Air Force guys and their families and a, a, a few folks, and we were there, and, and this preacher that I'd never met before preached a message. They were apostolic, and he gave an altar call, and 
And old Mike Malafi walks up there and begins to lift his hands and pray. And, and, and he says to the preacher, he says, I just feel like, and the preacher didn't preach nothing about baptism. He said, I just feel like I need, uh, like, uh, like, like, like someone told me I need to get baptized in Jesus' name. And I'm standing behind him and said, man, I've been telling you that for six weeks, you know, right? Right. And, and, right? And here, here's Mike Malefi. I've been doing it for six weeks, and he gets in the presence of God, and just like that, the light bulb comes on, and God speaks to him the same thing I've been saying for six. I said it six. I promise you, I said it over and over and over and over again. I beat him to death with my axe and my 238s. I promise you. I, I got the job done, and I was, I, I, it almost frustrated me. And we marched him down to Praia Bay, and, and these two guys took him out in the bay, and, and, and the first person I ever saw got, that got loose in, in baptism. They had him out there in the bay, and, and they, they, they prayed for him, and they baptized him, and just, they couldn't see it. They, had, they were facing us up on the shore, and a big wave came in. And just as they put Mike under in Jesus' name, a wave hit him, and all three people went away. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, I, I, we're standing up, we were, we're up on the shore, because they had to go out quite a ways to get deep enough, and we're up on the shore, and we're kind of stopped, and we're looking like, oh, Lord, you know, what happened? And uh, I, see, I see these two guys come up, these two preachers, and I'm a young guy. I was in my early, early 20s. Rachel had just been born, and, and, and I see them look around, and they recognize that they didn't have the guy they were baptizing. Bo Mike was gone. And they start digging in the water looking for Mike. And Mike, Mike floats up behind him. He comes up, Brother Savati, like this, speaking in tongues in the middle of the bay in the Atlantic Ocean. Listen, I'm telling you, if you will, if you will teach us, God will bless it. Okay? I, I promise you. And, it, you know, you're going to tell them over and over again what the Word of God says. They're going to come in and say, oh, I just feel like the Lord told me. <laughs> really? Okay. What is, listen, it's not about getting credit. It's about the soul coming into the kingdom of God. And you've got to be ready, right? Now, the last part of this is there's some supplemental scripture. How many of you feel like you could do this? Come on, I, I want you to affirm, I can do this. This is not hard. This is, this is simply reading and comprehension, okay? And it's really not hard, and we can do this. Now, I'm, I'm, I hope somebody will argue with me, but I think we can teach at least 100 of these between now and the end of the year. If everybody in this room teaches one, we'll be almost to that goal. And I'm telling you, I don't care what your experience is, you can do this. All right? How many of you are with me? Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.